Uh, if you don't know me, my name's, my name's Peter, and I was just complimenting Zach on his singing, which is much better than my microphone holding. <sighs> now everyone's laughing at me. That's very hurtful. Um, I'm here to do the prayers. Uh, and as you know, I always struggle with this. And so once again, I'm going to take, uh, take my cue from uh, Jesus himself and um, work with uh, uh, the prayer he taught us to pray. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord God, we thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that our country and our leaders will seek to honour and glorify your name and your laws. We also ask that your name is not misused and ask that you will grant us freedom to know when your word is being used for evil rather than good, for greed rather than grace. We ask that you will help us to honour your name in everything that we do. We thank you and praise you for the promise of your coming kingdom. We often forget to pray that the new heaven and the new earth will come, and we only want it when things are bad. When life is good, we forget that it doesn't matter how good it is, and eternity with you is something beyond our comprehension. We pray that the promise of your kingdom will comfort those in need or who are in pain or angry. We pray for oppressed minority communities all over the world, that the leaders you give them preach your word and offer the hope of grace in this life and for the next. We pray especially for those in the US. We pray that both protesters and police will show restraint and the political leadership will come to the table to reconcile rather than threaten and abuse. Thank you, to, thank you too for the time and energy our amazing Soul Revival team puts into getting your word out into our community. We thank we thank you that we get to run scripture, kids hope, and that our online ministry has reached hearts that only you can open through your spirit. We pray for those who go out into the world. You are the God of the harvest, Lord, and we thank you for the workers who go out to do your harvest. We ask that you protect those in dangerous places and for the work of organisations like Open Doors getting Bibles to Christians in countries hostile to your word. Give us this day our daily bread. We thank you for all that you give us. We are incredibly blessed to live in a country like Australia and we thank you that we have everything we need. We pray for those who are struggling in our church and in our community and praise you that so many here in Soul Revival are generous with their time and resources to help. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lord, we sometimes forget that not only do we sin, but we sin by not forgiving those who hurt us. As your son Jesus forgave us for not knowing what we've done, Lord, I pray that you will remind us that your forgiveness comes with the need to forgive others when they hurt us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Our lives are difficult and full of temptations. You have promised to help us, and for that we thank you for your limitless mercy. We pray that we will hear you when you tell us no, and that we will always come to your word to guide us and help us. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Uh, some important information for you all to know. Uh, you may or may not have heard the recent update from the Archbishop, but it was regarding the, I guess, even more lessening of COVID restrictions. Uh, if you have questions about that, I might be able to answer them in what I'm about to tell you. Uh, so even though we are allowed now to meet in groups of 50, uh, the Anglican Church has kind of decided that we won't start meeting together until we can have groups of 100 people. 
uh, in a space at one time. So that's kind of where we're heading. But rest assured, the Soul Revival Council has already met. Uh, a plan is being developed with lots of steps in place about what we need to do to keep everyone safe uh, and to follow the government's guidelines. Uh, so that is happening and people are working really hard to get us to the next steps where we can finally uh, be in the same place together. Uh, this week, keep your eyes peeled on your emails because the church is organising a survey to get your information, your feedback, your thoughts about um, what we can do moving forward, potentially what we can keep doing, uh, what we can change and, and how we can make it work as we move out of COVID. Uh, so that's that. And what we're going to do now is the most important thing that we do at Soul Revival, and that is hear from God's Word. Our Bible reading today is from Daniel chapter 9. Um, if you'd like to turn up in your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. And um, we're going to read verse 1 to verse 19. It includes a really beautiful prayer of Daniel. So, um, yeah, let's, let's read it. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign... I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us, through his servants the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt 
with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned, we have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Thanks for that, Fee. Uh, it's good to be with you here uh, for Woolaware or outside doing something a little bit different. Now, um, speaking of things a little bit different, we've found ourselves in different times and we've probably had more time to twiddle our thumbs, I guess, to, to not do a great deal, just to sit and to reflect. And it's something that we don't do well. Uh, and I guess a way of really kind of highlighting that, I saw recently on TV that uh, dry July is coming up, obviously, because July is coming up. Uh, and they're not talking about dry July, they're talking about dry-ish July because of all that's happened around the world and how difficult it is to deal with it all, that you can now sign up for two weeks, three weeks, or go old school and do four weeks, uh, but it's dryish July because we're not used to having all this time on our hands and we don't know what to do with ourselves and we don't want to think about ourselves or anything really. We want to distract ourselves. And so it's real, I've, I've found it really fascinating, especially with everything going on at the moment in the news. It's, uh, we, can, we, we fluctuate, don't we? we? We either get outraged and we do all these sorts of things or we just put our head in the sand and we don't want to think about anything. Why am I talking about that? Well, I think when we read Daniel, well, as I've been reading Daniel 9 in particular over the last week, I've really been reflecting on this prayer and what Daniel is saying. And it's actually made me realize that my reaction isn't to, to go to the extreme of uh, being, I guess, I guess it's all right to be angry, but to the level of outrage that I'm seeing on screens and, and not, like on social media and things like that, uh, or putting my head in the sand and pretending that nothing's going on. Daniel says something else, that our response to what is going on around us is actually, first and foremost, to come to God in prayer, which is exactly what he does. And that's what we're going to look at uh, right now. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll dive into Daniel 9. So let me pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your creation. We thank you for uh, all that, uh, that we get to experience day in, day out. And Father, we pray now that as we meditate on your word, we pray that you open our hearts and our minds to what you have before us this evening. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm just about to pray, and then I only got swooped by a bird. <laughs> so, very thankful, Lord, that, uh, <laughs> that my head is still intact. Now, um, when we, uh, we, we've been going through Daniel uh, for a few weeks now, we're almost to the end, actually. I think next week might be our last one. Um, and 
what we've seen is we've seen some really amazing things. We've seen Daniel and his friends in chapters 1 to 6 go through some extreme things. In fact, what we find in chapters 1 to 6, as we've mentioned, is that we actually find Daniel and his friends living for the glory of God, actually singing the, so the song of God's glory and praise in a foreign land. But as we move into chapter 7 through to 12, what we actually find is we actually find that there is a, a spiritual experience that Daniel has that actually gets him through all those things that he endures. That's quite amazing, really. And it's a shame that we don't often look at these chapters. But right from the beginning of chapter 1, we realize that that, that is the case because this prayer that Daniel prays and we have recorded for us here in chapter 9 actually happened in the first year, the first year of the reign of King Darius. Now, if you remember chapter 6, we actually get Darius and Darius is the one who throws Daniel into the lion's den. And that's not in the first year of his reign, that's a little bit later. So we actually see very early on that Daniel is a man of prayer even before the lion's den where he's told he's not allowed to pray to God, that he has to pray to Darius. See, Daniel is a man who prays regularly. In fact, that is what sustains him and enables him to do what he does so amazingly in those first six chapters. And we actually see that it's actually, not only does Daniel pray, but he's actually a man who reads God's word. He reads the scriptures. And we find that that's actually what drives him to his knees to cry out and to pray to God as he reads of the prophet Isaiah. Now, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But let's have a look at Daniel's prayer. Because what Daniel does is he paints this amazing picture, this grand picture of God's character. It's littered throughout. You, the chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 4, uh, verse 7, verse 9, 14, 15. Actually, it's throughout everywhere. We see Daniel talking about God's holiness, his righteousness, his mercy, and his splendor and wonder. Daniel knows full well who God is. He knows the character of God because he's constantly reading God's word and hearing about who he is. And it's because he knows the character of God that he can then confess his sins and bring this request before God. Because it all flows out of Daniel's understanding of the character of God and how God acts. But not only does Daniel talk about how amazing God is, which takes up a large part of this prayer, he also points out that he is a man who reflects not just on the word of God, but also on himself and the world around him. Now, this is something that we don't like to do too often. Let's be honest. We don't like uh, thinking about the things that are going on around the world because uh, we just turn our TV on and it's scary. It's, it's confronting. It's shocking. And we don't want to spend too much time thinking about those things because it brings us down, makes us feel sad and all those sorts of things and angry and frustrated. But Daniel is a man who looks around, reads God's word and meditates on the word and looks at how the world around him is or is not being shaped by the word of God. In fact, as Daniel reads God's word and as we watch things on TV, what we are confronted with and the things that we want to avoid is actually we want to avoid being confronted by sin. Because there is sin all around us. 
And if we are confronted by the sin of the world around us, that means we are also confronted by our own sin. And Daniel here, as he's confronted with the reality of his sin and the sin of the nation of Israel, he describes what sin is like. And if you don't know, if you're not a Christian, you're not someone who follows Jesus and you're new to all this, here is what Daniel, this is how Daniel describes, I'm just going to paraphrase, this is how he describes sin in this prayer. He describes sin as falling short of God's perfection. That it's doing wrong instead of doing the good things of God. Now that doing wrong is sometimes the things that we do, but it's also the things that we don't do, the things that we should have done that we didn't do. It's rebellion against God's rule. It's turning away from God. It's breaking his laws and his commands. Really, it's a failure to listen to God, to listen to his word. That is how Daniel describes sin. And when we are confronted with our own sin and we realize that what sin is, is actually comparing ourselves to the perfection of God himself. And comparing our lives to a life of perfection, we realize that our lives are far from that. No matter who we are, no matter what we think of ourselves, we have to admit that we are not perfect. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much sometimes people might say that we are. See, when we understand this idea of sin that Daniel is telling, it's no wonder that we want to look anywhere else but God to compare ourselves. We want to compare ourselves to anybody who is, is, is a little less perfect than us, a little less good than us. How many times have we thought, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, or at least I didn't do that. Yeah, I may do these things, but they do this. These little things where we try to compare ourselves to someone who's lower than us so that we feel better. I remember uh, growing up, my parents used to tell me that I was being lazy because I used to just go and kick a ball in the backyard instead of doing my homework. And they would ask me, you know, if your friend, uh, sorry, they would say, uh, if your friends are at home, what, what would they be doing now? Would they be doing their homework or kicking a ball? And that question always drew a pause for, for me because I knew what my friends were doing. They were doing their homework because they were very smart and intelligent people and worked hard, not like me in high school. And... I would rack my brain trying to think of just one friend who would be slacking off worse than me. And I would get to the end of that little brief moment and go, I need to get some lazier friends. <laughs> because I couldn't find anyone to compare myself. But maybe you had that and you could think of someone who was more lazy. I don't know. But we want to think of someone to compare ourselves to so that we feel like what, what we're doing or what we haven't done is not as bad as what it is that's our approach to sin quite often it's it's really easy to de- to deny our sinfulness and to compare ourselves to each other but daniel says that our sin our lives are actually compared to the perfection of god the purity of god and when we realize that we realize that we do not measure up that there is no comparison in fact we're not even on the same page The reason why I want to talk about this is because I think when we have this mindset, then we are able to grasp more fully the nature of our sin. And as Daniel goes on, 
having grabbed hold of this. He also comes, it also helps us come to, term, uh, comes to terms with that, uh, that our sin actually comes with a response. There is result that comes about of our sin. Uh, in Daniel 9 verse 14, we see that even in God's righteousness, God is judge and he judges sin. Daniel says, verse 14, the Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on the exile. Uh, sorry, the Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster of exile on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. See, this is not a contradiction to God's holiness and his righteousness and his perfection. This is not a, a contradiction to his love. God's judgment is actually what happens when he loves, when he is righteous, when he is holy. It comes out of that when, when God is confronted with the wickedness of the world and the wickedness of our hearts, the response, the result is judgment. It is punishment. And for God's people in Israel, it was exile. Now, you would think that this would make us run away from God, go in the opposite direction. It would me. I know, uh, again, because I never did homework, I was always in the backyard kicking a ball or throwing a ball. And I remember uh, when I got asked to become a pitcher for our baseball team, I went to the backyard to practice and I was practicing a curveball. And if you know anything about baseball, curveballs come out of the top of your hand like that. And so you need to get loop. And I looped a lot too much and it went over our back fence and through our next door neighbor's fibro garage and into their car. Now, my response to that was to run. And I did. I knew that I would cop a hiding if I hung around. And so I legged it as far as I could. And it took me a long time before I came home. That is not how Daniel portrays God here. He is not someone to be feared that when we do wrong, when we do sin, when we don't live up to the perfection of God, that we are to run and hide. That is not our God at all. That is not the God of the Bible. Look what Daniel says in verse 16. He says, Lord, in keeping with your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Here Daniel is coming running to God saying, look, I know that I have sinned. I know our nation has sinned. Your people have sinned. But we are not to run away from you. We are to run to you because only you can forgive. Only you can turn your anger and your wrath away from us. See, this is Daniel coming to his father asking for forgiveness. It is this beautiful thing as, as Pete so wonderfully prayed for us uh, mirrored on the Lord's Prayer. That is why we pray in the way that we do at the beginning where we say, our, our Father in heaven, because God is our Father and He treats us as His children. And Daniel knows this full well. See, Daniel knows that God is not like uh, a distant aunt or auntie or a, uh, aunt or uncle. You know what I mean? Uh, or a grandparent or someone who just, when you do something wrong, they just kind of shake their head and go, oh, well, I haven't got to deal with it. Or he's not like a drill sergeant that we fear. No, God is a God who loves his people and he is holy and he keeps his promises. He is a God who saves and Daniel knows that full well because he is a man who reads the scriptures and knows that God has saved his people already. 
He saved them out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. He brought them out into the promised land. He saved them. Now, as I said at the beginning, Daniel here is a man who has been reading Jeremiah. And it's most likely he was reading Jeremiah chapter 29 from verse 10. And here is this amazing thing that kind of shows us why Daniel turns his face to God and drops to his knees in prayer. It says this, it says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. This is God promising his people that after 70 years of exile, that Babylon will be brought low and he will return his people back to Jerusalem, back to their land. Now, Daniel, in his first year of King Darius, knows that that 70 years is almost up. So it's no wonder he reads this and goes, this is it. This is what Jeremiah talked about. We're here, where this is happening now. God is going to fulfill his promise. He's going to bring us back. Even though Jerusalem and the land is desolate, he's going to bring us back. And here's what else he says in Jeremiah. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. See, God has these plans already in mind before the exile, before any of this happened, before Daniel even prayed. He says, the plans, the plans are for you to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come, to, and, come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Do you hear that? There's this great promise that in God's plan all along was for Daniel to get to this point and read God's word, to read Jeremiah chapter 29 from verse 10 and to hear these words that the exile is almost over and to cry out to God. Now you might say, why, why does, why does uh, Daniel pray to God something that's already going to happen? Shouldn't he just go, well, it's going to happen and then let's just have a party? No, because God doesn't do that. That's not how God works. That's not how we are to live in a relationship with him. I remember telling my kids that we were going to go fishing uh, on, a, on a weekend, but I did that on a Wednesday. And every morning, we, that my kids woke up and I woke up with them in my face going, are we going fishing today? So no, today's school. We're going to go to school. Every day, they were asking me and reminding me and keeping saying, you promised we're going to go. Now I, had, I planned everything to go on the Saturday to go fishing, which we did. But because of their excitement, because of their, their love and their joy of what had been promised, their response was to keep coming and going, are we going? Are we doing this? Are we going? Come on, can we do this? When are we going? Let's go. And this is almost Daniel's prayer here is that God promises them to be restored, to go back to the land. And Daniel's like, in great joy and awe and wonder, drops to his knees and prays. But he does this too, knowing full well who he is and who the people are. See, with these promises in hand and understanding these promises, is it any wonder that Daniel comes before God and prays the way he does? But as he prays, as I said, he prays knowing full well the greatness of God and his character and his righteous acts, but knowing full well his own heart, a heart that is a sinner's heart, and same with the nations. He comes before God and confesses 
his sins and the sins of his people. And I, I really want to stress that uh, this afternoon. And I really want you to hear this. I'm going to say this twice because I think it's really important to hear. And that is, we learn something very profound from Daniel's prayer. And that is this. In the end, how we respond to our sin depends on what sort of God we believe in. I'm going to say that again. In the end, how we respond to our sin depends on what sort of God we believe in. So if we see God as someone who's just off in the distance and doesn't really care about our sin, then we won't take our sin seriously. If we see God as a sergeant major, that angry person who is going to whip us or do something bad to us, and so therefore we, we won't go to him. In fact, we, what we'll do is we're trying to fix ourselves and get ourselves good before we go there so that we can present ourselves perfect and good. But the God of the Bible and the God that Daniel is showing us here is a God who has his arms wide open, just as the father does in the prodigal son as he welcomes the son home. Arms wide open, ready to forgive and to extend his love to us. This is the God that we have, the God that we confess our sins to. This God who acts rightly and justly, full of mercy and grace towards those who trust him. Now, I'll be honest, this should totally blow our minds. This God who is perfect, who is full of justice and love and righteousness and mercy and grace, draws us near to himself. And this is not something that we can discover on our own. This is something that we need the word of God to teach us. That's why we read the books of the Bible, even the tricky parts like this one and the ones we've been looking at because they show us who God is. See, because of Daniel knowing the character of God, he's able to come before God and humbly confess his sins, his sins and recognize how utterly sinful he is as he runs to the mercy and the grace of God. But as we finish up, I want to share this with you. We're told in verses 20 and 21, which we didn't read today, we're told something really amazing. See, as Daniel is praying, as he's speaking and praying, confessing, we see that he's interrupted, and he's interrupted by an angel, by Gabriel. Now, what is all this about? Well, here's what I think is going on. I think God is telling, telling Daniel and telling us that he hears our prayers immediately, even if his answers are delayed. See, sometimes we might think that when we pray that God doesn't hear our prayers or that he might be delayed. There might be some sort of delay. Like uh, a lot of people have been doing Zoom stuff lately and there's been a little bit of a delay. My dog's here. She's... Loving it. She's, she knows we're, doing, we're going to do communion later, so she's hoping for some as well. But sometimes when we pray, we think that there is that delay because God sometimes answers with a delay. But here, Daniel, uh, God sends Daniel, Gabriel, to assure Daniel that his prayers are heard. Now, we're not going to go into verses 23 to 27 in detail tonight because they are some of the most difficult passages, not only in Daniel, but I think in the whole Bible. And people argue about them all the time. And all I can say is this, is it's no wonder that God sent uh, Gabriel to 
to help Daniel understand these things. In fact, that has brought me great courage as I, uh, and encouragement as uh, I've been looking at this, knowing that God sent Gabriel to help Daniel understand these things. So as I'm trying to understand these things, because I found it a bit hard too. Yeah, maybe for you. But I want you to notice in verse 23, what Gabriel says to Daniel. He says to Daniel, as he comes from God, he comes with a message. And that message is to Daniel that you are greatly loved by God. Now, could you imagine that? Can you imagine being mid-prayer, being interrupted by Gabriel, the angel, and told that he has a message from God, and that message is that you are dearly loved by God. That is amazing. It is so, so amazing. But I want us to hear this. Because not only uh, God sent an angel, well, sorry, God has not sent us an angel to tell us that we are loved, to tell you are loved and I am loved by God. He sent his one and only son, Jesus. He sent him from heaven to die for us, to show that love for us. See, God didn't send an angel to show you and me how great God's love is for us, but he sent his one and only dear son, Jesus, to show that, to demonstrate that, to take what we rightfully deserve for our, of what we rightfully deserve for our sins, to take that and to put that on Jesus. So that when we pray in our prayers, at the end, when we say in Jesus' name, we pray that it may be a reminder to us that our Lord and Savior has come to show us that we are dearly loved by God. See, this message of Daniel 9 today is this, that there is nothing that we can do, there is no power within us that, that we can ever make ourselves perfect before God, that can free us from the grip of sin. Only God can do that, and He has done that through His Son, Jesus. It has been done once and for all. And so therefore to deny our sin is to not only downplay Jesus, but to downplay his sacrifice, to downplay the weight of our sin, and to ignore our sin is disaster. Like Daniel, we must see ourselves, we must see our sin in the, in the light of the perfectness of God. And we are to rightfully come before God and humbly confess our sins to him to put our sins before our God and say that we have nothing to bring and that we cling to the cross of Jesus for forgiveness and for salvation. And that is not to bring us guilt or shame, but it is a reason of great joy and for us to pray, to drop on our knees and to lift our face to God and praise Him for the one whom He sent, His Son Jesus, who died for us and dealt with sin once and for all by his blood. And you know, as we finish up our time together, we are going to do that now. We are going to give thanks. We are going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus as we share communion with one another. That is where we, we have bread and juice and remind ourselves of the body of Jesus that hung on the cross, that, of his blood that was shed for you and me in this new covenant of love a covenant of salvation, a covenant that is worthy of praise. And so we're going to do that now, and we're going to do that. And so if you've, uh, if you've got your bread and your juice ready, I encourage you to get that. But as you do that, 
I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul says these words as he talks about the, uh, the Lord's Supper and how we are to enjoy it and to celebrate it. And here is what he says. So this is 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Therefore, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That's what we're going to do now. I'm just going to pause really briefly and then I'm going to pray. And in this moment where we pause, I want you to just reflect on the words that we've just heard to reflect on the character of God and reflect on the reality of ourselves, the sin that we do and don't do, the sin of the world around us. And I'm going to pray and say sorry to God and then we are going to eat and drink in remembrance of the love shown to us on the cross through Jesus. Let me pray. Uh, Let's just pause and then I'll pray. Let's pause. Let me pray. Dear glorious God, you are righteous and holy. You are merciful and just. You are full of love and grace and compassion. You are a God who does not, does, does not delight in evil or in suffering, but rejoices in those who love you and serve you. And Father, we know that we have not always done that. That we have rejected your commands and your rules. That we have not listened to your word. That we have treated you and others in ways that we shouldn't have. Father, we come before you and ask that you would forgive us. Knowing that forgiveness has been won through Jesus' death and resurrection. Father, we ask that you would forgive us and that you would continue to work in us. Father, that you would show us our sin so that we may bring it before you daily. So that we would not be full of guilt and shame, but rejoice in the saving act of your son, Jesus, who died for our sins. And it's in his name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we are going to share the Lord's Supper together. And so I want you to grab your bread. Because as Paul said, as we take this bread, this is a symbol of the body of Jesus. And we take this and we remember Jesus' death on the cross for us. So take and eat this and remember Jesus.
Jesus in the same way after supper took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we drink in remembrance of the blood shed for us, so this new covenant of salvation and of love. Let's take and drink together. Our God is a good God. Our God has saved us. And the promise that he will come and take us to be with him forever is a promise that is firmly grounded in the scriptures, in the word of God, because God has kept his promise. Every promise he has made, he has kept. Right from day one. And so the forgiveness promised through the death and resurrection of Jesus is a promise that he's kept. So too is the promise that we will be, those who trust in the Lord, will be with him forever where he is. What greater reason do we need to pray and to rejoice and to sing? Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Uh, Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixon.